Good morning and welcome to worship. It's always such a blessing to be able to come together with friends and family in the faith that we gather together to worship and praise God and to hear from him. So we welcome you today. And happy Father's Day to those dads in, that are with us today that are joining with us either here or at home and there's in, uh, via the, the internet. We're, ha- we're glad you're with us too. And uh, being a dad is not an easy thing. Any of you agree with that? If you're dads, it's not always easy. Thank goodness we have a Heavenly Father who teaches us and leads us in the way of being a, a good father, a good parent. So um, that's a, that is a, an amen, right? Thank heavens we've got a Heavenly Father. Yeah. If you happen to be joining us for the first time today, I'm uh, Pastor Ann and I'm Honored and blessed to serve alongside Pastor Andy here at the Way Woodstock, where we believe in sharing and hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. The Trinity, you know, I, I was looking at the screen and all those questions that came by, and I know that for me in my faith journey, there are times when I have a question that I don't get a clear answer for. You know, have anybody else, does that ever happen to anybody else <laughs> that you don't have that clear answer but but I have found that if I will just chew on whatever it is, that question, that even if I don't get an, a, a specific answer that I can explain to somebody else, if I chew on it with God, it's sometimes there comes a settledness in my spirit that it really is not that important that I don't have an answer that I can share. Anybody else have that experience? Yeah, well, the Trinity is one of those things. You know, the Trinity, three persons who have existed for all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons who are distinct, but who are also identical in attributes. Almighty, powerful, loving, full of grace, merciful, all-knowing, Righteous, holy, sovereign, omnipresent, eternal, infinite. Just to name a few of the qualities, the attributes of our God. Seems kind of confusing, one God, three persons. But when I think of the the Trinity, there are three words that immediately come into my mind. And those three words are... Finite, infinite, and mystery. So I'm going to start with definitions from Webster's. First, we have finite. Something that is finite has definite and definable limits or has a limited nature or existence. Human beings are finite beings. And then there's infinite it's in that is extending indefinitely immeasurably or inconceivably great or extensive subject to no limitation or external determination god is infinite and then the word mystery something not understood or beyond understanding Now, part of the mystery of God is that in his infinite love, he created human beings in his image, and he gave us free will. 
And when mankind used his free will to fall back into sin or to fall into sin, the father then loved us enough to send his son, Jesus, to show us the way back home. And then the father and the son together sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live differently. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who exists as three distinct persons. Now, while I may not be able to fully understand the Trinity, there is a lot that we can understand. So we're going to start in the beginning. We're told in Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. That's Genesis 1, 1 to 3. And we know that God continued to create by speaking things into existence. And then we go to the book of John to another beginning story. In the New Testament, in this, uh, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then a little bit further in the book of John, the the first chapter of John, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now you will might have noticed that the word Trinity is in neither one of those scriptures. Nor will you find it. If you do a word search in Bible Gateway to find the word Trinity, it comes up with zero. It's not in there. But as you read through Scripture, you'll see over and over and over again that God's not alone. We'll see in these two Scriptures that the Word was with God and the Word is God. And in him was life. And then in chapter 2 of Genesis, we're told that God creates man from the dust of the earth and then breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The word for breath in both the, uh, the Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek of the New Testament is equated with God's spirit. So everything that came into existence came into existence through this harmonious relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always existed in relationship. Even before the world was created, there was a loving relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we sometimes make the mistake of thinking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as just being different roles of God, 
similar to how we might view different roles that we play in life. For instance, I'm a wife, but I'm also a mother, and I'm also a sister. Those are roles that I have in my life. But that's not true of God. It's not that Jesus and God, and they do show us different things about God's character. But it's not true that they are different roles of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three distinct persons. The Father sent the Son to earth. In John 3.16, we're told, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then at Jesus' baptism, we see the Father and the Spirit being active. As Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, with whom, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that's from Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. And then while on earth, Jesus prayed to the Father. In John 17, 1, it says, Jesus said to, after, after this, Jesus said, he looked up towards heaven and he prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. And then after Jesus returned to the Father, he and the Father together sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, as explained by Peter in Acts 2.33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. The Father has always been the Father to the Son, and the Son has always been the Son to the Father. And they have always been unified by the love of the Holy Spirit. And we were created to share in this loving relationship. So God is indeed one and three in one at the same time, but not in the same way. The three persons of the Trinity are indeed one in essence. God's essence is his being, his character. So God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are alike in their character and their being. Those characteristics that, we, that were mentioned at the very beginning, as well as all the other characteristics of God, are shared by each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They each hold every aspect in full perfection. Now, our t tendency is to think about these characteristics in isolation, like maybe the, the petals on a flower, okay? God is love, could be one petal. God is merciful, could be another petal. God is holy, another petal. God is just, another one. And God is all those things, but not in isolation. Each of these attributes is perfect, Merciful, righteous, loving, holy. But these attributes are all united. And they are fully formed and completed by being united. 
Timothy Tennant, in his book, The Call to Holiness, Pursuing the Heart of God for the Love of the World, explains it this way. Each attribute is fully informed and shaped by the others. Because in the end, God has no attributes that are separate extensions of himself the way that flower has different petals. Rather, God is unified. He's integrated. It's integrated whole who in his nature, his own nature in person, fully embodies all of those attributes at the same time, simultaneously, in their full perfection. Yet we see that God is three persons. The Trinity, three persons in one, is different from what we think about when we think about our own personhood. We see ourselves as an independent individual that's distinct and separate from other individuals. We can exist apart from one another. But this is not the type of personhood experienced by the Trinity. Each person of the Trinity is a person that regards himself as I, as opposed to the other two persons of the Trinity, as they experience a separation of the you, yet they remain identical in their being. Let's listen to how Jesus explains this to us in John 14, 1 to 27. And I love this scripture because it's just, you know, it's one of those things that as you read it, you, you, you don't quite, it's, it's kind of like it sits with you and you go, okay, I can't quite logically understand that. But there's something in our spirit that tells us, oh, this is, this is it. This is it. So this is how, this is Jesus comforting his disciples prior to being arrested and, and crucified. Jesus says, the word of God. Do not let your tr- hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me. 
who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works, the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has these commands my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them. And make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things And will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God. As we look and we seek to understand one God, three persons, Lord, be with us. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, that this may seek deeply within our soul. It may seep way down so that even though we might not be able to logically understand it and explain it, We can know the truth of it. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. In this scripture, we see that Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is to come after his death. We see Jesus first pointing us home to the Father. 
My father's house has many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. The father is the source of everything. As the source, he might say, let there be light. He is our creator. And the, and God the Father is our goal to return to the one who created us out of love, for love. And then we see Jesus instructing us that he is the way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus shows us the way to the Father. Now, in using that above illustration where God would say, let there be light, Jesus would show us that the way to, to manifest that light would be to flip on a switch. Jesus instructs us that if we love him, we will follow his commands and obey his teachings. When we, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we seek to grow in his likeness. And then we see Jesus instructing us in regards to the Holy Spirit. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. You know, we need, I don't know about you, but I need (laughs) reminding from time to time. And I know the older I get, the more true that is. We need to be reminded But the Holy Spirit does more than just remind us. He continues to teach us. You know, the importance of of studying Scripture is so that we already have heard from Scripture what God has to say. And then the Holy Spirit can remind us of those things. The Holy Spirit is the power that we need to reach our goal. Using that above illustration with God saying, let there be light, Jesus flipping the switch, the Holy Spirit provides the power, the electricity for the light to shine. Jesus knows that we need power. We need help to live God's way. We need reminding and we need continued teaching. And it's the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts and minds that reminds us of what Jesus taught The Spirit gives us the power to say no to the ways of the world and to live as God desires with both truth and grace. God's way is truly the best way, but sometimes we all fail. And when we do, we repent and turn back to God and his mercy and his grace are unfailing. Another way to think about the Trinity is important for our prayer life. Following the biblical example, we are to pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father above, the Son beside us, and the Holy Spirit within us. Being aware of the distinct roles of each person of the Trinity has in our salvation, it gives us more comfort and appreciation for God in our prayers. And it also helps us to be more specific in how we direct our prayers. Yet we must always remember everything that one person of the Trinity is involved in, the other two are also involved in, one way or another. Now I want us to go back to those, some of those verses kind of in the middle of that scripture that we read from John, the verses 15 to 21, and listen closely. 
If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. May this be the day that we come to experience the triune God, the Trinity, more fully. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we thank you that you love us and that you have come to us and you live within us and that we live in you. Our life and our being come from you, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us and also to continue to teach us and lead us in your ways. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, that power that helps us to choose your ways and not the ways of this world. Your love, Lord, is so immense that we can't even begin to understand it. But your ways are the ways that lead to our righteousness and our holiness and to all the goodness that you have for us. So, Lord, we ask, send your Holy Spirit. Help us to follow in your steps, the steps of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived and showed us the way, the truth, and the life. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.